to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for being here with us here on the program as we get set to dive into, I think, uh, it's going to be a very important um, element of our lives as uh, we uh, enter. Haven't quite entered there yet, I'm sure, but we'll enter into the post, uh, they're calling it the post-COVID-19 or the post-coronavirus period. Of course, we don't know when that's going to begin exactly, but nonetheless, we're going to be having a very special guest on the program, basically to talk about uh, business and relationships uh, uh, and choreographing business success through authentic relationships. Our guest is um, the author, uh, Ivy Slater, and she is the author of the book, From the Bar to the Boardroom. We'll find out uh, why bar is spelled B-A-R-R-E because I haven't looked up that definition, and so we'll get definitions of terms. But before we get started, I want to remind you that we come your way Mondays, uh, rather Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com, as well as the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. We thank those of you who have uh, found what we're doing to be beneficial and supported us financially. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those of you who will support us in the future, I also extend a thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we'll take energetic support as well. We also make available to you PayPal and and Patreon accounts that we have set up. That's for security reasons, so that uh, things don't get lost in the in the mail or what have you. Uh, and uh, that way you can feel secure that uh, what you're supporting us with is going to get where it's supposed to go, and that's to us, so that we can continue to do this program the way we're doing it. And we're grateful for that opportunity to bring you these programs, as well as our guests and their websites, which we'll be sharing with you in just a moment. All you have to do is click on the name of the guest on the web on the uh, PayPal uh, uh, um, uh, on the not the PayPal the Spotify uh, or actually I should say the SoundCloud location I'm getting a little uh, tongue-tied because uh, I'm, I'm really wanting to jump into this interview uh, I'll tell you what I'll finish that up later you know where to go you know what to do you know why we're here to bring you new paradigms and the choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true Ivy Slater's our guest and I want to thank her for joining us here on the program to talk to us about this a very interesting book and uh, first of all thank you for being here with us during these uh, th- you know you keep hearing the phrase during these, strange and unusual and blah, blah, blah times, when in fact I would have to say that we've always been in unusual times. There have never been, uh, you know, they say uh, uncertain times, you know, these uncertain times. Uh, maybe, I, uh, Ivy, maybe you can tell us, when was the last time we had certain times? And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me here today, Richard. Um, I will tell you the last public thing and speaking event I did was March 11th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. Now, would you consider March 11th the end of certain times? Um, I even, you know, it was an event on the cusp of being shut down. So there was um, very unusual. There was or, there was already protocol in place. Um, everybody walked from place to place. There was no getting on public transportation. Um, there was, as opposed to the food being for, served and, and, you know, buffets and or, or everything like in a normal big event where you have luncheons and you have the cocktail, 
They were very specific. Things were packaged and handed to you. Um, so it was already, you know, on the move. And I would say that was my, as far as last, and, and I do a lot of speaking. It was my last thing I spoke at um, to live audiences. Mm, okay. Well, I, I think that the, the, the one thing that we're all, uh, again, trying to grapple with, and, and I've stopped, well, actually, I never really asked this question. So what is it going to go back to normal? It's like it's going to go back to whatever the new normal is going to be when it goes back to whatever the new normal is going to be. We've had one of the things I've noticed, too, uh, uh, Ivy, is that change is the one thing people are more afraid of than anything else. Now, granted, I know about the the list, the top 10 things that people are afraid of. Public speaking's number one. And I guess two or three is dying. I think change should be put at the top of the list because people are more afraid of that. And yet that is the one constant in the universe. Um, Exactly. And change is is something, first of all, I have to say, I truly believe we're in an evolution right now. Here, here. And we're evolving. Um, Lord knows many of us are, uh, are healthy and we're taking precautions and we're doing all the right things. Um, planning, you know, I, I just came back, you know, from, from a supermarket. It's a four and a half to five hour experience now from, from the, the gloves and the masks and wiping the bags down and wiping everything down and washing your fruits and vegetables. We are evolving and we will be better for it in the long run. Um, and you're right. People are terrified of change. There's a title of a book, and I don't know the author, and I don't even remember the contents of the book, but I I saw it, and I thought it was the greatest title I've ever seen, and it's called Change is Good, You Go First. (laughs) I got another book title for you. I was told to read this book back uh, when I was working for this Christian radio station in Phoenix back in the 80s, early 90s. And this book came out, and my boss said, this is mandatory reading for all employees. And I thought, okay. I never really cared much for reading back then, but okay. And so he gave me the book, and I finished the book. I read it cover to cover, and I went back to him, and I gave him back his, the copy. And I said, okay, I just want to say one thing about this book. And I read it cover to cover, I told him. The book was entitled, Who Moved the Cheese? Great book. I said, I don't care if someone moves the cheese. Just tell me where you moved it to. That's all I ask. (laughs) I have to do the same thing with my wife. She doesn't always put things back where I expect them to be. Or she will pile stuff up in the refrigerator or in the freezer or in a cupboard. I'll open the door and I'll get an avalanche. (laughs) <laughs> and and I go, oh, another booby trap. And, you know, and then I'm not blaming her or calling her out. I'm just this is what we tend to do. We don't tell people, oh, yeah, the eggs are now on the bottom shelf instead of the top shelf. Or be careful when you open the freezer. I kind of had to shove the door <laughs> kind of thing. Warn me. Uh, I don't I don't mind if you move stuff around. I don't mind if you change the configuration on the on the desktop. Uh, I don't mind if we are going to be standing from now on when we're doing our radio programs instead of sitting on these wonderful squeaky tool stools. Just tell me. Just tell me. That's all I want to know. Now, granted, that doesn't always happen. 
where someone can tell you. Sometimes there isn't enough time. Um, my wife was furloughed on, uh, actually, she was asked to, so to speak, take one for the team and take a week off back on St. Patrick's Day, April 7, uh, March 17th. And then the, fo- the following Friday, not the 19th, but the following Friday, she was then told she was furloughed and she went off on her supervisor. And justifiably so. She had some serious and legitimate concerns. However, we filed unemployment. We got our incentive stuff deposited into our accounts. I'm still working, thank goodness. Because uh, we're, st- we're here providing information to people. Um, and yeah, this is a change, but it's like, okay, so a couple, three days go by, maybe a week, and then she's starting to, she'll get out of bed a little earlier than usual, and maybe she'll start doing stuff around the house. I put no pressure on her. You do whatever, consider this your retirement period, and think about it. You want to retire. She's 69. Okay. All right? You want to retire, which we can't really afford to have her retire yet. I'm hoping that changes soon. Uh, But if you were retired and not working, what would you do? Consider this a trial run. Um, And, you know, I talk about that. What do you actually want your life to be like? And when we have when we're in this evolution, this period of change and we're not going to go back to, quote, normalcy, it's going to be different. Everybody can take a moment and actually think, what do I want my life to look like? If not now, when? What would it look like? What would I create? How would what would make me happy? What brings what fulfills me? Yeah. Take these opportunities, these t- moments of, you know, a little bit of a, a slower period, a little bit of time that we're building great relationships and things like that. And give a little thought to what's important to you mm. and who you are yeah. and how you're choosing to live this life we're living. There you go. And it should be great. Why shouldn't it be great? Not acceptable to me not to be happy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. One of the things I want to talk about uh, to start with, and as I mentioned earlier, I like to uh, get into an area we call uh, Let's Define Our Terms. Uh, your title of your book is called From the Bar to the Boardroom. And again, the subtitle is Choreographing Business Success Through Authentic Relationships. Though the first definition I want to talk about is the word bar, B-A-R-R-E. Right. What the heck? I know what a B-A-R is. <laughs> What's B-A-R-E? Is this, is this an English thing that the U.K. is trying to force upon us again? Uh, no, it, it's a, twic, a trick question there. So for all the people who go to uh, gym classes and see bar classes, B-A-R-R-E, it was defined from way back from a dancer. So I spent my first 20 plus years as a dancer. I actually have a degree in dance and a degree in communications. And I, you know, 20 plus, plus, you know, plus, plus, plus years later, so to speak, um, I've realized in business, one of my greatest assets in what I do is bringing into businesses today, leadership, et cetera my background in dance. It was the creative side. It was the, the side that kept me, you know, you might've not felt really well, but somehow we showed up for class seven days a week. You know, you might've had a cold, you put a, you, you wrap something around your neck. If you, if, if you, if your feet hurt, you wrapped your feet up and you showed up no matter what day after day. And you ha- showed up with a dedication, a determination, 
a goal, a drive. And when I work with today, the leaders of businesses, there is such essence there. It's that, that grit, that determination, the goal, the drive, the dedication, along with the creativity, the outside the box thinking. And that's really relevant with what's going on today, with the impact in the world, in, in our families, in relationships, in business. And we look at how can we show up creatively? Innovation is happening. We're going to have an evolution from this entire experience. Are we going to be the fourth thinkers and the forefront to that? Or are we going to be running to catch up? So that's where the bar and my background of being a dancer in my earlier years really has impacted me as a business leader. Well, I have to say that that uh, when we start looking at uh, uh, raising the bar and I will tell you, I got into broadcasting for one main reason. And that was to do just that. Raise the bar. Now. I get chided quite often about this. I have two pet peeves that I've had for 40 years. I've been in this business for over 40 years. One of them is that there are no O's in phone numbers. If you can show me an O in a phone number, I will give up the fight. There, We have, uh, when I was a kid growing up, our phone number, area code first, was 602 in Phoenix. Correct. Uh, Okay. 602, not 60. The O is, um, I can't even remember where it is on the pad and what it is. But anyway, it's it's another number, seven or eight or nine or something. Uh, Unless you, of course, are sharing, uh, unless, of course, you are uh, 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 writing out an acronym. Okay. Um, 1-800-CALL-ME-NOW or... Better call Saul or whatever. Um, so that's the one. The other is when you introduce your now, for example, you're you're you speak all the time, right? Correct. When you I'm a speaker, author, coach, consultant. Okay. So when you're standing up in front of the audience, or in the case of an interview, and you are introducing yourself, please introduce yourself to our listeners right now. Ooh. I'm Ivy Slater. Okay, stop the... right there. Stop right there. You did it exactly right. And yet, every time I turn on the TV and I listen to the newscasts or what have you, they will say, this is Richard Dugan. No, it's not. If someone was introducing me to a third party, they would say, this is Richard Dugan. I would never introduce myself as Hi, this is Richard Dugan. Because it's grammatically incorrect. Now, as I said, incorrect. That's right. And yet, you hear it time and time and time again. Uh, and even some of the um, some of the commercials that I see, it's like, did you leave words out of the script because that doesn't make any sense? And yet, it's on national TV, and I'm going, this is crazy. <laughs> so I got into this business to 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 raise the bar. And in my case, it's it's funny you say that, put it that way, uh because the working title of the book from the bar to the boardroom, Mm -hmm. literally, it came out um, less than three weeks before it came out. The working title of the book was Raising the Bar. Mm. 
because it, it, it was really important to me. I agree with you. Let's raise the bar and let's raise the bar on the impact of relationships and relationship building and, and not, you know, just kind of have it blase. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, it just kind of happened. And from the bar to the boardroom was the, you know, the title we launched with and it, and it's the title because it, Truly, and if you see the cover of the book, it, it's a, a woman in actually point shoes mm-hmm. in a business suit. Um, so it, it just, it works. Yeah. But when we think about raising the bar and we think about the quality of relationships by all of us ha- um, slowing down a little bit, taking a breath with COVID-19, really looking at how we do relationships, because this is wild, Richard. You know, I have used Zoom probably since the first year it came out with my clients. One of my clients is a CFO company in another state, and they have used it as well. And she's having a conversation with her, and she said to me, she goes, you know, Ivy, it's wild. I meet all my clients on Zoom. We co- I share screens. We cover spreadsheets. We do projections. We do all this stuff. And she goes, you know, I'm, I'm one of seven siblings. We vary from, you know, from Buffalo to Boston to Florida to Texas to, you know, a, a bunch of a bunch of states across the country. She goes, we never got, you know, we all check in with each other. We say hello. We text each other. You have a conversation. She goes, the seven of us got together on this video call. She goes, where have we been? I've used the platform for business for years, but all of a sudden, we are looking at true relationships and, and really building and seeing people and reconnecting with people. We're having, you know, happy hours on, on video calls with a whole group of people, even if they're next door or they're across the country. We're coming back together as a society, and this is not bad. Well, and yet at the same time, I would argue the point that, yeah, maybe on one level we're coming back together as a society, but on the other hand, we're not because people are hoarding toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Can't argue that fact. I mean, come on. A little OCD with a whole TP. Oh, my God. It's just, you know, if I have to, God, I hope I never have to, uh, where we live, we have uh, a myriad of all kinds of uh, grasses and um, Uh, We also have oak trees, and God forbid I should ever have to use an oak leaf. But, be that as it may, uh, the other other issue, the other definition, word definition that I would like to talk about, uh, has perplexed me, especially considering the fact that, on the one hand, I'm not really in sales, and yet at the same time, I remember... Uh, uh, someone sharing in some class or something that all sales is relationships, or maybe I, this was shared by a salesman. I was, I, I have never been officially a salesperson in broadcasting. Now, in other areas, yes. I, as a matter of fact, my first job was delivering newspapers as a kid in high school for four years, five years. I delivered. Uh, now that was eighth grade. Not I didn't do an extra year in high school. Um, I did eighth grade and then the four years of high school. And I loved it. And I, I, I won sales awards and I went to Disneyland and I won prizes and all this stuff. But I never considered myself a salesman. I never thought about it. But the issue of uh, the fact that sales is about relationships. When I first heard that, I thought that that was re- and, and I would love your input on this. I thought that was really disingenuous. 
Because if you are a salesperson, what's your job? To sell. Meaning you are trying to get the prospect, as the term goes, to part with their hard-earned money for whatever it is that you have product or service to sell. And I thought it was a little disingenuous from that standpoint. That's the reason why I thought it was. I thought, that, that's what kind of a relationship is that? That's not sustainable. You know, do you really care about that person? And are you really providing them with a quality product or service? You know, this was kind of where I was coming from. And you know, so I, I'm going to take it from the other side. Go for it. So, so I've been a business owner for, I'll just say over 25 years, because, you know, after you get to 25, you decide to stop counting out of just, because you can't get to the beauty, you can't to get to the salon to get your hair done anymore. So you decide to stop counting after 25. Um, you, I've been a business owner a long time. And as a business owner, I started um, early on customer service. I learned business. Um, I started selling in my 20s. And there's a woman, and this is where I truly believe great sales are hunkered down in great relationships because it's not the one-off sale. And I'll give, I'll give you two stories here, Richard, because one past tense and one present just the other day. Um, so I, I used to, um, she was a client of mine. I was, had a printing company for over 20 years in New York City. Uh, she was in the uh, head of marketing and, and advertising for a lingerie brand. We did a good amount of printing with them for many, many years. Printing is a manufacturing. Every so often manufacturing goes bad. Like in an automobile, we used to have the lemon law. We might still do. I don't know. Um, with that, one of the jobs a bunch of years later went bad and we eventually finished it and we sat down and she said, Ivy, you're very nice. I like you a lot, but this was, you know, a disaster and it put my reputation in my company on the line and you're off the vendor list. So you would think I was done. Well, I kept the relationship going. Of course, she eventually left that job. Um, I reconnected with her. She was at another job. We had coffee. She went on to another place. We reconnected again, had lunch one Saturday afternoon in the village in New York City. And she looked at me and she goes, I'm thinking of opening my own marketing agency. Love your input. You know, you've, you've been a business owner and I, you know, I, I see what you're doing. Would you, can I hire you to help me? And we, we chatted for a little bit and she said, you know what, maybe I'm going to bring a couple of my other friends in. Maybe you could coach all of us and you, and we can do some work. Well, for nine months, I got paid by these three, three lovely women, and I wrote my first group coaching program. Jump forward another few years, we stayed in touch. Got an email from her, can you jump on the phone tonight? Sure. Chatted a little bit, what's going on? Hey, I'm being recruited by this global jewelry brand. I'm not gonna give you the name right now. I'm thinking of taking the job. I would like your help in negotiation. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not an attorney, I don't do that. She goes, no, 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 but I followed you and I've watched your writing and your blogs and your newsletters and everything you post. And you're all about women, you know, earning their worth, stepping into their value. And she goes, you know, this is a real male dominated leadership team. And I want to make sure that I get paid in the same way that my predecessors have as men and not as women. I said, sure. 
So she, you know, we worked it out. I ended up, I didn't even charge her. I said, yeah, let's do this. I know you a hundred years. Let's do this. She goes, you're really not going to charge me. I said, no, I'm not going to charge you. I said, it will, you get this job. Believe me, it will benefit both of us. She got their position. I have been coaching the leaders. It's a global brand with brands like Van Cleef and Arpel, Cartier, um, Jaeger, Vacheron and Constantine, Piaget. From that, I have done business with a variety of different those brands in coaching their leadership teams. Richard, that's a relationship. That's long-term sales. It's not a one-off thing, but that's a long-term relationship success. We're still in touch. We still, we, we sit down, we have breakfast, coffee, a cocktail a couple of times a year, just catch up on our families, our lives, and we still do business. You know, when I actually ran the numbers and I did a couple of years ago before a speaking event, because I decided to build a chart out on true relationships. And I was like, well, considering I was let go as a vendor in my 30s from her, I'm now in my 50s, right? Mm -hmm. Plus, um, we're, we're tying back to seven figures of sales from one woman. From I was like, that's not so bad. I'd say, I'd say that's a valued relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, I will tell so you. I really think sales ahead. and relationships are about who we, you know, it's truly the relationship building. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you that uh, as my career has uh, slowly moved forward, I have uh, taken on a different tack. And, and unfortunately, I took it on very early. I didn't, I didn't wait on this. And that is... I decided that from whatever point it was forward, especially in broadcasting, I was going to take the position that I am uh, uh, I want to make you successful. OK, this is not about me doing uh, audiobooks for you or whatever the whatever it is. This is not about me making money. This is about me making you successful and in turn if I am successful, then you, if you are successful, let me put it back the other way. If you are successful, then I am successful. And that's the position that I have taken uh, for the better part of my career uh, towards people because I, I firmly believe that that, that is the truth. Uh, I, can't, I can't be more than what I am. Uh, unless, and, and I am where I'm at, just like you, because of all these other people, right? You didn't get here all on your own, did you? Absolutely not. And I always think people who show up to give, so I don't think it, sales is are about us. Sales is what I, how can I help you? You know, what, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. I might not be able to help you today. But if I listen to you yeah. and I listen well and I ask good questions about what's important to you, about what you need and what your life is like and where your values are and what you're looking to achieve, and I can come from the place of heart with how can I help you and be of service to others, everybody wins. And when everybody wins, that's a lifelong sale. Why does that mentality not Ex permeate the business world. Well, they haven't world. hired 
made a plan to pay their organization sales. That's why. <laughs> very, very good response. Uh, it does seem to me, though, that um, during uh, the, the this these the, the various disasters that come up, uh, we've had plenty here in California and Southern California in particular. Uh, it seems as though when uh, uh, the business community is hurt by whatever it is, a wildfire, the mudslides that we had in Montecito in 2018, uh, uh, or I, I guess that was 2019. I, I, the years all bl- blur together after a while. Uh, whatever the, the disaster is, uh, the community just comes out in force to support them. Which is extraordinary. And it's wonderfully extraordinary, if I can put it that way. Because the people, the community knows that without the community, this business will will not survive. It will not exist. And the business knows that, too. Um, we've had businesses also who were not devastated by a given disaster and they step up and they start doing incredible work and people come to volunteer to help them to do to feed people to support them in rebuilding to support them in whatever it is that is needed uh, especially with you know within a week or a month of the uh, the aftermath of the of the event um and that's great when a hurricane rolls through or a wildfire or a tornado but I, but the dynamic is enormous now. We're now talking about nationwide. And yet there are still people who are doing that. Do you see the paradigm shifting in business for for the better away from uh, the bottom line of the almighty dollar? Well, you know, it's it's a bit of a conundrum, and I'll be honest with you, because it's the dollar that keeps things moving forward. So I was hosting a call the other day. It was a community call. I put it out there um, a couple of times a week. Everybody just come on, talk business, because I believe we need to talk business right now. We want to keep business moving forward. And there are some people who are unfortunately really paralyzed or doing the ostrich effect, which I'll say, you know, put your head down, bury your head in the sand, say, oh, my goodness, woes me, wake me when it's over. And I'm like, really? No. Um, so one of the uh, one of the people on the call said, you know, Ivy, I feel very, very uncomfortable selling right now. I, I don't think it's appropriate. I think we need to be helping people. And I said, exactly. We need to be helping people. And we should be doing a good amount of charity work. We should be showing up in our communities. And how do we help our neighbors? And how do we help our community? And yesterday we made the decision here I, I, I evacuated New York City a bunch of weeks ago. I'm living upstate New York, and we had some bad storms coming through, and we decided, my husband and I, like, gee, we've had this home for over 25 years. We Maybe you ought to get a generator, you know, because we can't. We All this food that we've been storing up, and, you know, we have a house. We're trying not to go to the markets a lot, so we're buying things and, and freezing them. We don't want to lose the food. And there was really bad storms. And they said, you know, power outages, everything started flickering here. So we decided to buy a generator. And we're like, okay, we can go to Lowe's. And that would probably be the most financially smart decision to do. 
or there's two local stores here. One's a little bigger than the other. Well, this small little guy, the owner's name is Joe. I came, I came out of my office, my, my little home office here, and my husband goes, so I gave Joe a call. He has the generator. He's a few dollars more. I was like, wow, Joe's open? He goes, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm going to go over. I said, please tell him I say hello, and, you know, I'll, I'll, see, him, I'll see him soon. And, you know, he's like, there was not a second thought. He's a small organization. We are in business. We want, I want to give money to my local businesses. I want to give money to the local businesses here. We're trying to take in some food a couple of days a week because I want to support the local purveyors because that trickle down effect will help all the families. You know, we want to give and there's other things we do with, you know, I'm doing community calls, no charge. I'm doing a ton of giving, a giving to the community, speaking, everything I can do. HR organizations have asked me to do a webinar. I was like, sure, let's just do it. Let's educate, let's educate. Mm -hmm. And we're giving a lot. Yet on the other hand, if we ignore the financial stream, we're all gonna put ourselves in a big financial problem. Yeah. So we want to encourage business. We want to encourage people buying things, investing in businesses, growing leadership, growing sales, giving the opportunity to have great trainings. And so people truly understand the value that sales is about giving. Sales is about the truth of relationships and truly caring and being on the phone and checking on people's families right now. One of my old clients reached out to me yesterday. Her father-in-law passed away over the weekend from COVID-19. And, you know, just picking up the phone and calling reaching out and she's like that's what this is this is what it's about that's very interesting in the sense that one of the things that i find so interesting about business and the the criticisms are just there's a plethora of criticisms of business especially when you talk about corporations now small businesses okay uh small businesses that uh, mom and pop you know, uh, you know, maybe 10 employees or less, that kind of thing. Now, there's a whole different story there because they're struggling just to survive. Uh, here at Santa Barbara, I don't know about your community, but ours is, ours is tourist-driven predominantly. And, of course, during this time, we don't have any tourists. So, you know, a lot of our small businesses are shutting down. The one thing I don't understand, and maybe you can help me with this, Ivy. Uh, and by the way, if you're just joining us, Ivy Slater is my guest, and she's the author of From uh, From the Bar to the Boardroom. Uh, it's a choreographing business success through authentic relationships. I'm curious. There are people who are giving a percentage of the businesses that will not come back. And I'm sitting here going, how is that even possible? The entire nation is all, everybody is in the same boat. If it were a small community, I could understand that. But it's the entire country. How in the world could a business not return to, uh, to its uh, former status or at least close to it once we start gearing things up? Um, because we just stopped. You know, your building didn't blow up. Your supplier didn't say, I'm not shipping you any more stuff or we don't have resources for that. 
uh, it's not that you don't have uh, people to to provide the 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 service to fix cars or whatever it is that you do. Uh, can you explain to me how that is even possible that the businesses in this country that have been shut down for two, three, four, five, six, who knows, could be eight, 10, 12 weeks. We just don't know. Uh, could not come back if everybody's in the same boat. How could the financial institutions be that cold and cruel to say, I'm sorry, but you know, you owe back rent and uh, blah, 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 blah. Tough darts, buddy. You know, you should have planned ahead for a disaster like this. I mean, it just seems to me like we need a, a, a strong dose of compassion and grace. Um, I love the word grace because I truly believe we, we don't have enough grace in business. You know, going back to talking about from the bar to the boardroom, my background as a dancer, it's we can show up with grace. You know, you show up with grace in business, you show up with consideration. Um, there are going to be businesses that don't come back. And it's it breaks my heart to say this. And there's going to be businesses that are born from this. Because I, I referenced earlier, Richard, I see this as we're in an evolution. And as we evolve, we're going to see people have learned different ways to do business. For instance, there have been um, virtual real estate closings now. It's never been done this way before. How will it look in the future? I have no idea. You know, but we learned something new. There are people who are notaries online now. You always had to be notarized in person. I have no idea how this works. I did have not personally notarized anything, but somebody told me about this, that I was doing business with. Like, wow, that's fascinating. So there's an evolution. Will it shift business? Definitely. Will new businesses come from this? Absolutely. Will some businesses, listen, I was in the printing industry for 20 some odd years. Printing today is not what it was. There is not a bit as big of an industry as there used to be, yet there still is an industry. So mm -hmm. it evolved. What is it going to look like? Like you don't know, I'd have no idea. Yeah. Yet we, you know, I referenced earlier the idea of creativity, innovation. What are you, what are we seeing and learning? Who are the people who are saying, wow, this is being done differently. What can I do with this? Versus, oh, this is different. Oh my goodness. It's never going to be the same. And, you know, put your head in your hands over it. Hey, we're seeing things do, being done differently. Where's the evolution? How do we stay in the front of it, the forefront of it, and create and grow and make an impact on our future? So some of those businesses that will not last the lifetime are going, those smart, great business leaders are going to be on to the next evolution. Mm. I, I agree with you with the word evolution. Um, it's one of those aspects that the late Barbara Marks Hubbard, who is a, was a local Santa Barbara, and she passed away just a while ago. And I remember interviewing her back in 2007, and she was talking about the transformation of our humanity, of our society, of our civilization. And she used the analogy, and I've personally, I've never experienced this, but she used the analogy of giving birth. And she said that there are birth pangs and yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt maybe a little, maybe a lot, but imagine what is at the other side. 
And so when we talk about this evolutionary, and I'll add to it, transformational process of our entire society, I mean, they're saying that everything is going to change. Now, it's interesting. Um, I read, a, I had the opportunity of, uh, of uh, speaking with a gentleman who wrote a book called um, A.D., uh, Adam David, and the book subtitle was After Disclosure. Now, granted, this is a little far afield, uh, but it had to do with the government finally disclosing, yes, there are aliens, yes, they've visited us, yes, we've communicated with them, blah, 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 blah. And of course, my first question to the guy was, what makes you think that the public's going to believe the government when they tell us, yeah, there are aliens, when they've been lying to us about so many other things for so long? But he says basically that when the disclosure is made, that everything will change. Religions will change. The economy will change. Our society will change. Education will change. Everything about it. Well, here we are. We've had an invasion. And I have to say I'm a little distressed that they've referred to it as a war. It's really... It's rather distressing to think that we can't get through something like this without having an enemy. Um, and I joked with someone the other day, and I, I mean no disrespect to anybody who has gone through this or lost loved ones. But where's the prime directive <laughs> of non-interference with other life forms? Um, but it just seems as though uh, uh, we've, we've reached a place, uh, uh, Ivy, that... We can't go back to the way it was, whether or not. And, of course, I know you've probably heard the criticisms over the last few weeks and months uh, that, hey, we shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have shut down our economy and so on and so forth. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's been done. It's over. We, you know, we have to now move forward. What's your perspective? Are you extremely optimistic? And uh, let's use the scale from. Uh, not so much optimistic to extremely optimistic or somewhere in between about our future, both in business, but even as a society, as civilizations. Um, so just, you know, so your audience knows you're interviewing somebody who is some, somebody who's always going to find the glass half full. Okay. Even, Good. even in some really, really difficult periods in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's been some tough times. Uh, my husband and I um, lost uh, after 2008, 2009, lost everything, moved three times in two years um, just to keep our kids in a, in a, in a school. It, it, it was a bad period of our lives. And we stood outside their door at that time and looked at each other after we put them to bed. And they were obviously young. They're in their 20s now and said, they're healthy. We're healthy. It's only money. We can build anything back. Mm -hmm. So um, here's my here's my big perspective on this. I am going to find that I am going to find the good in this. It's who I am. It's, is it going to be easy? Not for everyone. And I think mindset is a really important component of it. People who are going to be contributing to moving this forward, contributing to building people up, seeing the healthy, the positive, what we can grow from here. Um, you know, la yeah, we talked about evolution. We've talked about change and things are going to shift. But that doesn't mean that's bad. Why can't shift and growth be good? 
you know, we're seeing people coming back to really strong values and principles, talking to people again and not hacking at them with their thumbs in text messages and fingers on a computer and just sending a ton of stuff out to people and not really engaging. Yeah. We're picking up the phone. We're getting on video calls one way or another. We're having conversations. Um, my birthday was the other day. And I received more text messages than I've ever received before and phone calls from people versus just posts on social media. Mm. People, you know, it was it was beautiful. And, and people and my phone ended up dying like late afternoon. And I was like, <laughs> I hung up on my friend. It's like my phone's going to die. And she's like, why are you healthy? I was like, no, 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 my phone, my phone. I got to go. Like, I got to recharge it. Uh, People are are talking to people. You're you're out there. You know, people are getting fresh air, and we're smiling when we pass people and waving and say, "You stay safe." Mm -hmm. We have these good hearts, and people are leading with it. So as evolution comes and change is going to come, let's see what we can grow from here as a society, as a society, and do good from others and come back to great core values. Well, I couldn't and let that lead this. Could not agree with you more uh, in this in this process. When we come back from our break, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Ivy Slater. She is the author of "From the Bar From the Bar to the Boardroom: uh, Choreographing Business Success Through Authentic Relationships." I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. Stay tuned. Tell me your story. Welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan here with my very special guest, and uh, her name is uh, Ivy Slater. She is the author of From Bar to Boardroom, Choreographing Business Success Through Authentic Relationships. Welcome back to our program as we continue our conversation about... Uh, yes, about uh, these particular times in which we live, the challenges that everyone is facing. And um, one of the things that uh, I have been talking with people about, uh, Ivy, is the aspect that it isn't going to be the national, federal or state governments that are going to do anything to bring the economy back. It's going to be you Ivy and me, Richard, and all of the other people who make up uh, what is this wonderful and beautiful country of ours uh, and every other country around the world that has the, the freedom to do so, they're the ones that are going to do this. They're the ones that are going to make it happen, not our governments. And that's one of the things that I think that, so in one sense, would you say that small business has uh, and, and maybe it's because of the being beaten down by all of these disasters and all of these crises that we've forgotten that we've always had the power and not not the authorities that are allegedly in charge. Would you agree with that? I think small business has a huge and amazing impact. Um, and. It, it's always the culmination. Like we forget this. We're like, oh, well, it's just little. It doesn't matter. But all those, you know, little baby steps add up to really powerful movement. So why wouldn't all the little small businesses add up to really powerful business shifts in the world? You know, and if you look at some of the great 
and I'll say newer businesses, okay? So these were businesses that I'll say, and I'm just gonna just loop you with me. They weren't around when we were kids. You know, there was no Apple computer. There was no Amazon. There, they were baby businesses once. They were small little business ideas. And look what has grown. Mm. So the power of small business is huge. We must be generating new ideas, thinking ahead, thinking innovatively, and then the culmination of all the little businesses together becomes a powerful force. It's one of those uh, uh, things that we're, we're slowly, I guess, uh, realizing. And um, how do you encourage uh, people in small business? And I'm sure that you've worked with corporations, too. Uh, and one of the Absolutely. things, one of the things that I have, and I'm not alone, probably frustrated by corporations, not not the usual criticisms, is they seem to forget in their ivory towers the CEOs who get the multi-million dollar bonuses every year, which people have great disdain over. They seem to forget who it is that created the multi-million dollars that they're able to take as a bonus. It wasn't the shareholders. It wasn't uh, the people in the ivory tower. It was the people at the bottom of that pyramid who did the work. It's the barristers at Starbucks and the, the sales clerks at Macy's and whatever other company you want to list. Is that starting to change? Are you encouraging corporations to begin to realize that they have human beings working for them and that this is not a machine? Then when a, a piece breaks down, uh, they just replace it with another piece. You know, I, you're making a really important point here because, you know, in basic, basic sales training, one of the basic things that I, as well as a ton of my colleagues teach is the importance of people doing business with people they know, like, and trust. Know, like, trust, right? Mm -hmm. So here, I'm going to give you a short story of that, that is is a huge impact here we love stories. at least it was for me <laughs> we love stories a bunch of years ago i ordered a uh, a piece of outdoor furniture from costco got it mm -hmm. it gets delivered it was damaged blah, blah 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 and it was damaged again and now i am you know it's the summer i want to be outside i want to enjoy this furniture i ordered and I go through the customer service department of Costco and I end up speaking. And this is crazy because I remember her name. I spoke to a woman named Alexa. <laughs> and, it got it, and it wasn't it wasn't the Alexa. It was just I'm just was Alexa from somewhere in the Midwest, I think. And I explained the problem and I said and I reordered and, and this happened. And she's like, OK, Ivy, this is what I'm going to do. And she's like, we are going to ship out this new this and that and the other thing. And, you know, and she took me through the whole formula and she goes, and here is my direct number. And I am going to be calling you and checking in on you the entire step of the way. And she did, Richard. And, I, you know, mm. my cell phone goes off and I look down at this number. And my husband goes, who is it? I was like, oh, it's my friend Alexa from Costco. He goes, excuse me. <laughs> I... And let me tell you. I don't, you know, my kids are out of the house now. I don't shop so much at Costco. I don't need to fill the house of as many, as much stuff as I used to. Yeah. I still will shop at Costco. I will not go to BJ's. I will not go to their competitors because Costco's trained their teams and their employees and their customer service 
with this, I do business with Costco because of their people. Mm. And that goes back, I'll take you back 20 years to a problem when I was a printer and I had a printing company and I shipped materials for a conference to Florida for a client of mine. And it was a freak accident, but it was went FedEx and FedEx unloaded and the cartons burst opened on the tarmac. Mm. And I went through layers of people at Federal Express. And then I got him a supervisor, a manager, and he gave me, goes, this is my number. And whenever something, and I would say, don't worry, let me just call, you know, whoever, you know, Mr. Whatever at FedEx. They're like, well, no, you have to call the 800 number. I was like, no, no, no. You might call the 800 number. And that's why Federal, you know, FedEx was my go-to for deliveries for years and years and years, because they, they showed up, they gave me the service, the customer service, the people relationship, mm -hmm. that I don't think twice. And when I have a choice, if I can go to one store versus another or this and that, I go to where the people are. I gave Joe the business for the generator. I will go and I will use Costco, where you know Alexa was, went the extra mile to service me as a customer. You built that relationship, you checked in on me, you know what? They have my business. And it starts as small business, and it grows and grows and grows. I'm going to throw another dynamic out at you in regards to that story. And that's a wonderful story. And I have had those kinds of experiences. Uh, number one, my wife and I, about a year and a half ago, purchased a travel trailer that we can pull behind our uh, truck and uh, go camping. And we've done that a couple of times. We actually went all the way to Phoenix at Christmas last year uh, to visit my family. We parked it at an RV park and and uh, took the truck and, and did our holiday visiting and everything. Then went up to Sedona. It's great. Um, Fun. When we first bought it. We, uh, we really didn't have a, a real good chance to check it over the way we wanted to. Uh, but we did notice that there was a problem. And uh, they started and tried to and allegedly fix the problem. And so we hooked it up and home we went. Open up the trailer and that problem wasn't fixed. And then I found several other problems. Now it is under warranty. Uh, but I uh, actually got a call from the owner of the uh, RV sales company, the entire company. And I can mention them, Sky River RV here in California. And uh, Randy's his name. And he called me from his, and he, we chatted, and I shared with him how much we enjoyed it. However, and I expressed, he says, take it back to the location here and, and they'll get you all squared away. Because again, it's under warranty, so no problem. And he was really nice about it. And anytime I've ever had a problem uh, with uh, or a concern, uh, I, I would call him or I would send him an email because he gave me his email address as well. And he's really been helpful. And the same thing has been true of the seller of a particular item that I purchased for our truck. It was a, uh, a rear camera. And I think those should be standard. They probably are more today than our 2014 truck. Uh, but I bought one of these uh, solar-powered uh, 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 cameras with a monitor in the in the cab, and I kept having problems. So I sent an email to uh, Amazon, who forwarded it on to the the seller. I've been in contact with the seller on a regular basis. If I have any problems, they address it. They sent me a new free replacement, and so on and so forth. But this is the other element I wanted to throw in here, uh, Ivy. 
And I want to remind our listeners, we're talking to to Ivy Slater. She's the author of From the Bar to the Boardroom, uh, Choreographing Business Success Through Authentic Relationships. I learned early on in my broadcast career from a, a general manager that I had. When our radio station's advertisers were being solicited by one of the other competitors, one of the other Christian radio stations, they were always putting us down. My boss found out about this and he started to go, he shared this with me and he started to go to these advertisers who were being solicited, solicited. And what he did, he never, and he told me, he says, I will never put down the competition. Never. He says, what I did was I went there and I said, how about this? You buy a contract with them and you buy a contract with us for say six months and whoever does the best business for you go with them. I have found this true, Ivy, and I'm wondering about your thoughts on this, that whether it be in politics or business or anything else, if you have to put down your competition in order to make a sale, in order to create that relationship, um, I want nothing to do with you. And it's the same thing in the advertising world. If you in your commercials have to put down your competition then I'm going to go with your competition because it tells me that you don't have, apparently you don't realize that you have more to offer. What are your thoughts on that? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I think um, I will tell you, I've always, always endorsed my competition, my competition or my friends. I've built relationships with them. They, you know, going from back in the day when a bunch of us printers We'd all sit down and, and have lunch or coffee together. Colleagues of mine back then who would say, hey, Ivy, we're doing a ton of business with the Revlons and L'Oreal's. Why are you not in here? You're a woman. There's a place for you here. Come on in. Um, to today in what I do in, in speaking, how did I, you know, just got off a call with somebody because a fellow speaker said, hey, did you hear about this? You should be connected. There's room for all of us. Um, People who I, who I do consulting for organizations and companies and coaching, and a bunch of us are colleagues and we do monthly calls together or we get together once a quarter and see each other. We brainstorm what's new, what do you see going on in the industry. We, I, I truly endorse coming together because that's how we grow our industries. Instead of fighting each other, instead of backstabbing each other, instead of going around each other's backs, Come from a place of heart, truth, authenticity, support, and help, and our whole industries will grow. And that's where we all win. It's that idea of creating a win-win existence. Would you say that the philosophy of, of, uh, that I shared with you earlier, that I'm going, I want to make you successful because if I make you successful, that makes me successful. That's the attitude that should be taken uh, with ones, we'll call them competitors. Absolutely. The more we help others shine, we will shine. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you give and give and give and then bury your head in the sand. Okay. And, but you have to stand up as a leader and stand with people. We want to move business forward today more than ever. Gather your peers, gather your competition, gather the leaders in your industry in the competitive places 
and see how do we do this together. If you look at it from the sense of so many, at least in the Northeast right now, we have the governors coming together in adjoining states. So the states are making similar decisions. So hypothetically, when they have, when the early days and they closed the bars, all the states surrounding each other did it in conjunction together to keep because we didn't want people driving from the to the next state over to go party. We did it in conjunction with thought leadership. It's the same in business. Well, and some of our California friends here uh, have found out the hard way that, <laughs> that when they say closed, they mean closed. And here's the reason why. There were seven people in a car and they traveled across several counties to go get what they called essential drinks. Those drinks cost each of those seven people $1,000. Hmm. So, <laughs> and I just sit here going, you're idiots. Really? You needed a drink that badly? Uh, that's one of the problems that we have right now. Uh, before we wrap things up here, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, and, and I should have done this at the front end of the program, but uh, regardless, we still have about eight, nine minutes. I want your perspective on the, um, the female aspect of business from the standpoint do you think that there has been too much emphasis on male-female um, uh, uh, dynamics within business, glass ceiling, etc., that we that we kind of lose sight of why we go into business in the first place, and yet so here we are. We've got this one goal: I want to go into business and provide this product, service, and make money. As opposed to, I want to go in business as a female, as a woman, uh, to show these men that I can do this kind of thing. Uh, almost, a, almost an aggressive kind of uh, attitude. What's, what's your thought about that? Because I'm very curious. I mean, I grew up in a family of five females and three males, myself, my brother, and my dad, and my four sisters and my mother. So I'm quite familiar with the female dynamic in a, in a household. <laughs> And, you know, you're fortunate because if you were brought up in a home where men and women participated equally, you know, it was like, okay, kids, set the table. Okay, kids, we're going to do this. And everybody participated. That's, that's the greatest. Um, not every, unfortunately, it saddens me to say, that has not been the dynamic. And so what we're doing right now is women shouldn't be opening the business because in the aggressive management is like, damn it, guys, I'm going to show you what I can do. <laughs> uh, yet coming from the perspective of, I have a goal, I have a dream, I have a desire, I want to make a difference in the world, and I can do this as a leader. Yes, go for it, women. Um, in the same in corporate America, what has gone on in this glass ceiling is goes back through generations. And when we look at women, we're also looking at diversity overall and the whole perspective of diversity in the boardroom and diversity in the C-suite. Why? Because we want to know, understand and have decisions made from different backgrounds, cultures, um, upbringings. Okay. And have that perspective come forward to actually 
look at the demographics of how do we create products and services for blank marketplaces, looking at all different backgrounds. And it doesn't matter, you know, gender, race, religion. We want a little bit of everything because we want a full perspective. That's how we can sell to the masses. That's how we create great business by being open-minded and knowledgeable from many different perspectives. That's the important diver- diversity. That's And women and men are just a piece of that diversity. You know, I played for 20-some-odd years in a very male-dominated world. You know, me coming in and trying to sell printing in my late 20s, I had more doors closed in my face than you can ever imagine. You know, I made an appointment under iSplater to go to the small advertising agency to meet with the head, uh, head of purchasing. And I was so excited. I'm sitting there in my business suit and my two-inch pumps, you know, um, and my business card, my pocketbook in the lobby. And they finally come to the reception area and they're like, Miss Slater. And I stand up and they're like, excuse me, who are you? And I was like, Ivy Slater. I'm here to meet with whatever, Mr. Smith. And they're like, your eyes later and I said yes I am thank you and they're like hold on wait one moment and they said take a seat I'll be back 10 minutes later she comes back to the reception area and she goes I'm so sorry Mr. Smith got called into a meeting you'll have to call for another appointment I said well if you're here now and you're his assistant why don't we schedule that appointment now she goes oh no it's best if you call I was never getting that appointment you know There was, and that's just one of many, many stories. So there has been times that women have not been equal, as well as many and many other backgrounds and diversity have not been equal. Mm. It's the time now to, for everybody to be able to own a business, to be successful. It's the time for us to be based on skills and performance in corporate America and on our talents, our goals and our drives to be successful, not based on a gender, a religion, a nationality, a background or anything else, based on skills, drive, ingenuity, innovation, and your brilliance and how you show up. Now, that's all. That's all. I'm. That's what I would like to see, and that's what I think. It's just playing out right now to get there. Yeah, I and I have to throw this one in. I need your your perspective on this. Okay, with all of that taken, what about the attitude of victimhood? How? And and I'm not saying that people aren't justified in playing the victim because. Uh, whether it's women because of the glass ceiling or whatever um, marginalized group you want to list. I'm not saying they don't have, they're not justified in feeling like they're a victim. But do you really think that playing the victim on infinitum from generation to the generation is really the best way to go? Because that's kind of the way a lot of people hear that. They, They hear... That, oh, well, that's the way it's been. And then uh, so we've got to do this because we've been victims and we've been put down and we've been this instead of saying, you know what? I don't care what they what happened to them, my predecessors. I'm here now. And so now I've got to do this to make myself 
to put myself where I want to be. And I'm not going to be the victim. I'm going to, maybe in one sense, you might say from a, one perspective, I'm going to be the spoiler, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So, um, you know, I said before that you're talking to somebody who's always going to see the glasses half full. Yes. And I truly, truly believe the importance of positivity in life versus negativity. 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 Um, in that way, understand that victimhood is a negative approach. You know, I'm certified in, assess in an assessment that the lowest levels are anger and victim. And victim. Mm -hmm. We cannot grow, be productive, be innovative, be great leaders when we come from a place of victim. When we come from a place of driving to create change, seeing possibility, stepping into possibility, looking for opportunities, you know, growing gardens of business. There's no place there for victimhood. It's not the woes me woman. It's the woman who says, I just want to be treated equal. Mm -hmm. I want to be heard. I want to be valued. I want to be sitting at the conference table. And when I have something to say, to be heard equally to everybody else who has something to say and not talked over and not disrespected. Now, I was that woman who was talked over and was disrespected. I'm not coming from a place of victimization. I'm coming from a place as the greatest leader I can be. How can we make the greatest impact? How can we lead business forward, all of us? Because that's what leadership is, and that's how we're all gonna grow today and through the whole COVID-19 experience. We're all being victims of this, you know, virus. It has changed things. Let's look forward to see how we can positively and leaders grow and grow business and grow society from here. I, I, I can't thank you enough for the time that you've given us. And please understand that uh, I ask these questions because the universe asks them and I'm just along for the ride. And before we let you go, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this program. Uh, you've shared some incredible ideas. I wish we had even more time, uh, but we've taken up a lot of your time today. And we thank you so much for giving that to us here on the program. Before we let you go, I have three final questions for you, if I may. And if you ever find yourself uh, out of New York when this is all over and movement is allowed, uh, we'd love to have you in studio to talk more about this, uh, uh, and uh, we'd love to have you back on the program, whether it's in studio or on Skype, uh, to to continue this conversation. Thank you. I'd love to be back, First, and I hope to see you in Southern uh, Cal. Absolutely. First question is, who is Ivy Slater? In the heart of hearts, Ivy's, Ivy Slater is a mom, is a daughter is a family person that it was somebody just who, who truly values relationships not for business not for pleasure not for family just people let's just get to know and be open and heartfelt with people and we'll all grow what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now so, raise leadership you you talked about raising the bar let's continue to raise the bar and have everybody as a leader from people who are taking care of buildings to the people who are in the mail rooms to people who are coming up. We're all leaders. It's up to us 
to how we choose to show up as a leader and and build ourselves and continue to build a world of leaders. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To set a very, very small example to what's possible in the world. And honestly, my life's purpose is to be the best woman I can be. Well, I would uh, I would concur. Uh, the one thought I had uh, before we wrap up is that uh, when asking those questions, someone might be out there saying, well, Richard, that's easy for you to say and ask those questions because you're a white male. Um, well, I was legally blind for 38 years of my life, so I had to deal with that. So I had certain obstacles to, to overcome as well. But I looked at those as perceived limitations. If I chose to let them limit me, then they would. If I didn't, they wouldn't. And I thank you for sharing your perspective, your ideas, and your glass half full. Uh, Ivy Slater, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Richard. I'm Richard Dugan. This has been Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to lull.